I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum from you in a lot of things. This week's silver and gold game on Friday. Probably the biggest question every single Vandal fan has right now is what the heck is going to happen with our quarterback? So I've got two answers for this, which is who am I most excited about seeing? Kind of in a little bit of an eyeball-grabbing competition with Eastern Washington. I know there's something that ticked in your head, and you have your own idea of what constitutes success for the Vandal football program. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bold, to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your football host as usual, Chris, and today uh, I have a very familiar voice to the podcast. Brian with me? Hey, good to be back, Chris. Yeah, so we figured we, we, we'd get Brian on here because he's going to be obviously a, a big part of the podcast going forward. Hopefully you guys like this basketball stuff. You didn't say you didn't, so we decided to invite him back for more. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of news happen in both football and basketball, so it's a, another great podcast to have. Both of us on. Starting off, I guess Brian, if you want to kind of touch on the the basketball news briefly, that's that's happened. Yeah. So the big news from the basketball team is that right now five University of Idaho players have entered the NCAA transfer portal. Now there's multiple sourcings on this. Uh, most recently, um, I had a back and forth on Twitter with Coulter Nuanas, who confirmed the fifth name. Um, as being part of the transfer portal. The five names of players who are transferring out of the basketball program are the big name we all know is Cam Tyson, and we talked about that in the last episode. Uh, but Cameron Tyson is transferring. Gino West has entered the portal. Lazini Kamara, Cassius Smith-Francisco, and the last name is Xavier Smith. Uh, so out of those five, it's not news that our team was real young last year, uh, but we have three freshmen and two sophomores who are potentially not going to be involved in the program anymore. Now, just be entering into the transfer portal doesn't necessarily mean the players are going to leave, uh, but it does mean at the very least they've reopened their recruitment. It's a, very interesting as far as the basketball team goes coming off a, a historically bad year. Um, and I know you, you're, you'll probably get something going for us to go dive a little bit more in depth on that. So, um, you know, make sure everybody stays tuned. Um, I'm sure once we, we get more details and everything like that, and we get maybe some recruits to come in, um, Brian will be releasing a kind of a basketball off-season recap, what's happened type podcast, kind of like I did when all the football uh, players transferred out. It seems the football program doesn't only have transfer issues going into this upcoming season. Um, I'm sure most of you are aware that we had two players arrested for petty theft in Christian Ellis and Dalton Cash. Obviously, uh, never never good to have your players in the criminal system. Obviously, this program seen worse. Multiple other programs have seen worse. Crimes never good, but as far as these crimes go, I guess figure just be happy it wasn't something awful. They are going to be suspended for the first game of the season. Who knows? It, it could go past that, but that's what the athletic department and Paul Petrino have at least released so far. I'm not sure on their involvement as far as practice will be in the fall and everything, or if it's just a, you know, miss the first game, or if they have some additional stuff they have to do, whether that be community service, study table, things like that. Um, but I know Petrino has dealt with some issues like this before, so I think he'll be able to handle it. Uh, and you shouldn't see it affect the team too much, even though it is coming from two people we expected to really step up in a, in a much larger role this offseason. So 
obviously a, a hit to the team, but uh, we, we have a spring game coming up, and they're two of the guys we would have wanted to keep an eye on, and I'm sure I think they'll be playing in it. So two guys, you know, two still keep an eye on. Um, but, yeah, they will be missing at least the first game of the year. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, Brian, or if, if we should just start pre-game or uh, prepping everybody for the silver and gold game. So the only thing I want to add about suspension is I did a little bit of research after I saw that the one game that the suspension was cited as one game and, and Chris, you're right. We don't know yet for sure whether it's going to be limited to one game or whether it'll extend or if this will be like a, um, let's say a conditional situation where, you know, behavior and how the criminal justice part plays out will impact whether there's further suspension. There's some stuff we don't know about that. I know when I, when I heard the number one game in my head, I thought that sounded light. So I researched just to, to make sure I, it wasn't just me thinking that. And there is precedent based off the dollar amount that was stolen from, I believe it's from Walmart, that other programs, other Division One programs have had players who have engaged in, in petty theft where it's kind of a low dollar amount and one game suspension was what was handed out. You know, obviously on the podcast, we we think, you know, duh, don't steal stuff. It was a dumb thing to do. Um, but I, the only thing I wanted to add is, you know, the, the guys are younger, and I don't mean to write that off as, you know, stealing being okay, because obviously it's not. But it is a little bit different for athletes when, you know, if you do something dumb, it becomes public knowledge for an entire mm-hmm. fan base. Um, so I, I don't really want to – I don't want to feel like on the podcast we're – advocating for you know coming down with the heaviest hammer justice offers um i just just want to make sure other listeners know that one game for this dollar amount is something other programs do as well yeah and 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 i think you nailed it right on there too um i did not you know steal anything when i was in college but i knew people that did some of which did get caught and the only difference is they just get a trip to the dean of students office and nobody knows about it uh it's a little different when you're an athlete and you're under oh, oh much bigger microscope um but yeah so dumb decision i don't think either of those two would argue that um but you know we'll we stand by them and uh hope they learn their lesson from this and you know it helps grow them as young men and hopefully it's a good example to the rest of the team to you know always be aware of what you might think is harmless could end up becoming a big story hopefully much like some (laughs) some of our Outstanding questions we have headed into this week's silver and gold game on Friday. I know I'm excited because I am a football junkie and I can't wait for our team to be back out on the field in the Kibbe Dome with a lot of excitement around this team for, I would say, how poor they performed. I think a lot of people are a little bit excited to see what might happen um, with this team moving forward, especially with a lot of the pieces we lost. Um, I know we, you and I have a lot of questions going into it. We also reached out to the listeners with some hashtag STATCs that we'll be going over later in the podcast as well. Um, but I know we're all planning on being there. Uh, so hopefully there's a lot of fans out at the Silver and Gold game. Make sure if you see us, you say hi. Um, but yeah, I guess, Brian, I want to ask you going into this, What what are you kind of – who are you expecting or looking to make the biggest jump? And I guess what's your what's your biggest question? So let's just start with what's your biggest question going into the spring game that you hope you might be able to answer out of while while you're watching it. 
You know, to me, my biggest question, and I think my biggest question is probably the biggest question every single Vandal fan has right now, is what the heck is going to happen with our quarterback? We had news out of Colton Clark that I touched on in the last podcast a little bit that uh, Paul Petrino has been treating the quarterback as an open question. And, and that's different than just about every single other team in the Big Sky Conference that has a returning starting quarterback. You know, the only situation that's comparable is Montana State, where last year Troy Anderson, a converted backer, was their starting quarterback. Um, but he's, he's a defensive captain for Montana State, so it's not like it was a quarterback controversy or competition with, that he lost. It's that he, he moved back to his natural position. Otherwise... You know, other teams, if they have a upperclassman quarterback who started last year returning, it's not really a question of who their starter is. Like at University of Montana, Dalton Sneed was a junior last year. He was their starter. He's going to be their starter again. Eric Berry at Eastern Washington, Jake Meyer at UC Davis, they all started last year. There's no question for those programs who their starter is. We have a returner in Mason Petrino, and it's unclear of about who is going to be our starter or if or exactly what the quarterback situation will even look like for us. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we could talk quarterback for the for the entire podcast. Um, but you know, the way to view it, no matter what your stance is, in my opinion, on on the quarterback is, I and I mean, I know the majority of people are just they don't believe Petrino's got it. Um, but and you think that uh, Paul's going to make Mason the quarterback regardless of how Richardson Nair um, perform. But even if that is so, and I mean, we'll touch on that a little bit later, at least view it as if he's publicly admitting it's an open podcast, and whether that's different behind closed doors or whatever, um, or sorry, open competition, it's at least going to push Mason to be better. And that is going to make Richardson and Nair have more reps um, and be able to at least showcase that even if it is considered closed in some people's point of view, you're at least going to have to look at the other guys making plays and tell them that they are actually not the better option. And, for how much I know a lot of nepotism was kind of the theme of this podcast last year. I really don't think Paul, if he, if one of these guys goes out and is hand, leaps and bounds better than the other two, I really don't see him uh, and that person not be Mason. I don't see him just putting Mason in just because the last name. Um, I know we had fun with that last year, but uh, I, I do think this is an open competition, maybe more so than last year. Um, you know, you don't have, you know, Richardson coming off a, a burned red shirt last year or two years ago off what well, I think he played in one and a half games at the end of the year. Um, you know, he's got now two whole seasons under his belt. And then you have Nikhil Nair who's coming off a whole red shirt year. So you have a little bit more experience coming in where last year, you know, you, you had lost some guys and you really only had Petrino and Richardson, what would be considered the actual competition. I know people like me were pulling for Nikhil Nair, but the general population would say that it, it was pretty much between Petrino and Richardson. Um, so I, I think as long as what Colton's reporting is true, which I mean, I've, I've never seen him report something that's not, um, I do think it's an open competition. And I, I think that that's going to be something that can only benefit obviously the team and that position. Yeah, I think you're completely right there. Uh, one thing that I, I believe fans listeners should keep in mind is, you know, we're, we are trying to talk about this completely in terms of like, you know, fact basis and observing play, you know, which is what we're going to be talking about once we actually get to watch these guys in action. Uh, but I, I do think that if you are a person like me, 
who felt that the quarterback situation was a problem last year, you should be happy that it's been declared an open competition. And I do believe it being an open competition, uh, whether it's meant this way or not, is a tacit acceptance of essentially every single on the field bullet point, the the people who wished we had a different starter last year, all the points that people who wish we had a different starter last year would bring up about, hey, our, our play, our offense was overly simplistic. It was easy for teams to scheme against. We weren't taking any sort of shots down the field. And we're not talking about like Idaho State, Tanner Gull or Bombs. We're talking about 12 to 17 yards down the field. Um, all of those points, if you're a person who felt like you observed that, Paul Petrino is essentially saying you are correct. That was a problem with the team last year. Otherwise, we would just have Mason be the declared starter because Mason didn't turn the ball over a ton last year. You know, there, there were some no question frustrating parts, but to his credit, he didn't throw a bunch of interceptions and fumble the ball a ton, um, which that's a positive for him that we saw on the field last year. And if we have that part stable already, this is only an open competition if all the other parts people thought they were observing are being accepted by the coaching staff. Um, so, you know, I, I'm really curious to see how Nikel Nair, Mason Petrino, and Colton Richardson look on Friday and how they look uh, on how the offense looks different based off who's in there. Now, I'll say for me, my, my biggest question, it's not, I don't know if it's so much a question. Um, so I'll ask you this. Is there any you're most excited to see? Because I think that's more where I'm going with this. I, I have some questions that I think we can address when we get to hashtag AskKTC, but there is one aspect I'm incredibly excited to see. I was wondering, is there anything you were just like, when you show up Friday, you're like, this is like the matchup or the position group or, you know, the style of play I'm most interested to see. Now, are you talking quarterback? Are you talking just any position? Any Anything. It, position, it, I could, you could tell me you're more, most excited to see if we run an up-tempo offense. I, I want to know what you're like hoping to see out of, out of uh, the game on Friday. So on the offensive end, I think I'm really curious to see whether we we look more aggressive on the offensive end uh, because you know last year and we spent a lot of time talking about the quarterback and we could spend probably two hours if we really wanted to talking about just that position but our defense was yeah. not was definitely not good last year it was bottom t- bottom third or so of the conference depending on the stat you choose to look at and for a team to be strong if your defense is going to be in the bottom third or let's say bottom half just to be generous for a second if you're going to have a bottom half or a bottom third defense to win, you're going to have to have a pretty good offense. And last year we saw that no question we have strong wide receivers and we lost David Unger to graduation, but we're returning a ton of names that people should be happy about. Like, you know, Cottrell, Cottrell Haywood is a guy I'm excited to see his sophomore year. He was only, he was only a freshman last year and he looked like a very solid big sky receiver, a guy who as a junior Let's say I wouldn't be floored if he's all conference. Um, we had some tight ends that looked pretty good last year. Our running back is a new question, but our running backs did quite well last year. Our offensive line didn't give up a ton of sacks. We have some pieces in place where I feel like our offense could be much stronger this year than it was last year, where our season high was 31 points against uh, FCS or FBS teams. And, you know, five big sky teams averaged more than 31 points a game last year. And that was our high. We only hit it twice. I think we have a lot of pieces 
that could become more than what we saw last year. And for us to be good, they're going to need to be more than what we saw last year. I'm most excited about something that I think has been totally undercovered going into this year. Maybe this is what changes it, but obviously, yeah, you picked up on it. We have phenomenal wide receiver talent return. The youth that we had at wide receiver, I think maybe got overshadowed because Unger was there and he was kind of the undisputed leader of the wide receiver group. But really, he was the only senior on on that entire squad that at least contributed your way. And I'm looking at exactly like how you said, Cottrell Haywood, freshman last year, absolute stud, had some of the, you know, some huge games. You have Jeff Cotton coming back for his senior year, um, who absolutely at one point looked like him and Colton Richardson might be the best wide receiver quarterback duo in the country. I think Colton had thrown like 14 passes and four of them were touchdowns to Jeff Cotton or something ridiculous like that towards the beginning of the year. Um, you have Brandon Luckett coming back, who's supposed to have a big, you know, step up year. Um, Michael Knoll is supposed to be a guy who you should hear a lot about. Um, I know Petrino's really high on DJ Lee. Uh, so, and, you know, multiple other athletes around the field that might even be brought in as we see in the spring game. Some DBs, they might get some looks at wide receiver. Um, much like, uh, oh, I can't think of the running back that we, Brantley, that we had re- moved over to safety. You know, Petrino can find guys at other positions that he think will work. So I think seeing if this wide receiver take a step forward, um, especially without that undisputed leader and Unger being there. Obviously, I think Jeff Cotton's probably the one that's going to step into that role being the senior um, with only one other junior and Luckett really being a con- major contributor on the wide receiver squad. But we have a lot of freshmen and sophomores coming back. I think that is just like if we can get a quarterback in here, which we've already talked about, um, you know, if it's Mason, that's only one more year. Uh, but if that's Colton, that's, you know, two more years. If it's Nikhil Nair, it's four more years with some of these guys. Um, and that's not even including when Cisco gets into the mix. Like we have a lot of young talent around him and, and also at wide receiver. I'm kind of lump, or tight end. I'm lumping them in a little bit with the wide receivers and the fact that we kind of have a lot of young tight end talent we've had to bring in with some of the losses and we haven't really truly replaced Deion Watson and Buck Cowan in the last couple of years, but we've had guys that have made major steps forward and losing Harrison Ashby will hurt us, I think, but I don't think that Connor Whitney is that far off from being that guy. Um, obviously Dalton Cash was the guy we expected to take a big leap forward this year. Um, hopefully the stuff he's going through won't set him too far back in his progression. Um, and then, you know, we signed that Hatton twin who could possibly step in and, and play a big role in a bunch of other guys in this recruiting class that we won't see in spring ball but going into summer and you know fall ball will be major contributors so i think the passing game in that sense on the actual talent around it which does include the running backs i think is what i'm most excited to see um especially being able to watch eastern last year and how uh, prolific their offense was i really think we could have something special i think we have a lot of athletes this year and obviously it's going to come down to making sure we get the right quarterback in there to run the offense. Uh, but I, I think I'm most excited for the wide receiver. Yeah. That, that's the thing that I, I really, you know, through last year, part of the frustration for me, and I'm not trying to dwell too much on last year, but you know, if you watch the games now, Idaho didn't have, you know, let's say a receiver as good as who's the guy from UC Davis, who's going to be drafted. Keelan Doss. Yeah. Okay. We didn't necessarily have a Keelan Doss, but we had, a, and we didn't have, let's say, like a Sammy Akem from University of Montana. But we, when I saw our team play, we if we didn't have the best wide receiver on the field, I felt comfortable saying we definitely had 
receivers number two, three, and four um, yeah. on the field against some of the better teams. Really and a well lot talented. of those guys, a lot of those guys are young. And a lot of those guys, some of the guys produced last year in their back. And, you know, guys like Cottrell Haywood and, you know, guys like, let's say, DJ Lee, we can reference, you know, they're going to be back for a couple more years. And, you know, I think we do have some foundational pieces on the offensive end to be excited about. Uh, circling back to the offensive line, uh, which it's it, it's kind of hard to talk about an offensive line, um, you know, position by position where we can say, let's say, you know, uh, we can talk about a wide receiver who had these touchdowns um, and mm-hmm. listeners or just novice fans understand, well, yeah, if you're open for touchdowns, you know, it means you're just better than everyone. But our offensive line, we didn't give up a ton of sacks. Now there's ways it could have, our line could have performed better. But we also, you know, we have some recruits coming in like uh, Noah Gunn, the guy who transferred in from the Air Force Academy, who's, according to Colton Clark and Paul Petrino, he's competing for a starting position. Even if he isn't a starter, we have a bunch of, we have a lot of return, returning talent from the offensive line, and we have other recruits who are playing well enough to, at the very least, be able, able-bodied substitutes, you know, to give us depth on our line. Uh, which is just another reason why, man, when I was watching that team last year, and I, I just know other fans felt this way, we saw pieces. We saw pieces on the offensive end, and a ton of them are back. Oh, yeah. I, I think, I mean, Matt Linehan would have killed to have a line like this um, a couple of years. He was there where he was taking some hits. Inclu- you know, obviously, you can add Chad Challenge about that, too. Like, we had some issues, like, at line during what should have been maybe some of our more um, competitive years, but I mean, we've got a lot of really good talent on this line. That's very senior or, you know, uh, ladder classman heavy. Um, but we have a lot of young guys coming in too. Like we said, Noah gun, he's a transfer, um, but you know, young and Connor Verba's, you know, why well, he's going to be a junior, but, um, until that too. But I mean, we've had a lot of guys that have been young and they've grown up in the system. So they have the chemistry and we've done what I think is a really good job of bringing guys in behind them. So in case uh, I feel like injuries on the line are just bound to happen, you're going to get rolled up on. Unfortunately, Um, it's rare that you start the same five every single week. If it's, you know, your good five. Now, sometimes you do it because someone's not playing up to expectations, but um, it's good to be able to know that if one of these guys, God forbid has, you know, even a, a, quarter injury we have somebody that's able to come step in and go right away and i think i think our line's really poised to do that um now i know obviously when i said matt linehan would have killed for some of this line um some of the d-line talent they're facing in the big sky isn't quite what it was in the sun belt um but that being said still i mean at, at the level they're at they're probably one of the top in the big sky um and whoever's and i think it leads back to what i was saying with the wide receivers um, and tight ends, and obviously we know running backs can be a huge thing this year. I think our offense can be could be really good. We'll have the line to support them. We have the talent outside. I think we have a good stable of backs that we'll get into here. Um, I really think the offense comes down to which tight end is step up and how how big of a role they'll be able to play, um, and then that quarterback position. And then I think it really just comes down to kind of like you you were kind of touching on uh, our defense is where I think a lot of the question marks lie. Unfortunately. Um, but that being said, you know, question marks aren't always a bad thing, right? Question marks just mean we don't know what to expect. We did have a bit of a turnover on, in, on defense. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of players this year that we could see make major steps. I don't know if there's anything on the defense you want to touch 
you know, a little bit more depth on, or if there's any just players or position groups you really see taking a step forward or, you know, you're worried about or anything on the defense you kind of want to talk about. So the, the big thing with us for defense is we, we were just not great at defense uh, either in terms of rushing or passing, but we were real bad against pass defense last year. We were 11th in the big sky, gave up 229 yards per game. Uh, we were 12th in passing defensive efficiency. We gave up the 12th most passing touchdowns. We're in a league which a lot of the teams that are good, If as long as you remove Weber State, because uh, they're kind of the anomaly, um, and Montana State, they were they didn't pass the ball a ton last year, but they had a, a really odd running attack that was hard for teams to project against. Uh, but if aside from those two teams, if you were good in the Big Sky last year, you could throw the ball. And when we played teams that could pass last year, like Idaho State and Montana and Eastern Washington and UC Davis, we just had no chance. You know, University of Montana had relative to their expectations last year, they did not have a great season. They probably missed the playoffs by one game. When they came to the Kibbe Dome, Dalton Sneed looked like a Walter Payton Award winner against us. And our our passing defense just can't be that bad, especially if our offense isn't scoring 35 points a game. We can't let the guys who are strong passers just walk all over us. Or, you know, like against Idaho State, we gave up, what, 62 points? Mm-hmm. They were yeah. not... Uh, breaking off these 90-yard rushes, you know, from scrimmage throughout the game. The Idaho State just kept passing the ball, and we just kept letting them break plays. You know, so for for me, the biggest question for our defense is how are we going to contain intermediate and deep pass plays? Because it's both. We we weren't just the victim of these, you know, like 50-yard bombs. You know, we watched teams like UC Davis – uh, stretch 12 you know a, a 12 yard completion into something much more and we yeah. just can't afford to do that because though you reference let's say the offensive line maybe against different level talent uh defensive line wise the big sky is absolutely in terms of offensive talent especially you know passing the ball and catching the ball you know quarterback receivers the big sky is absolutely at worst the equivalent of the Sun Belt. Yeah, and you know, I would think I would say in many opinions, it's it's probably a little bit better offensively in terms of passing game. Um, now, you know, Sun Belt does have their dynamic offenses, and the likes. You know, Troy runs the air raid, um, but I would say you're definitely going to see a lot more air it out, throw it all around the yard here in the Big Sky. Uh, Stitt was in Montana; you saw it more, but it's not like Bobby Houck shied away from letting Snead kind of you know take all over a game. And you saw what UC Davis did last year. Obviously, the Geller brothers down at Idaho State. Uh, Northern Arizona has always been kind of a throw-it-all-around-the-yard team. So it, 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 Eastern, um, a little bit more balanced now. But, you know, traditionally have been a throw-it-around-the-yard team. We didn't necessarily see that as much in the big sky. It was more in the trenches, which is why we saw that defensive line, offensive line battle being a little bit more par or, you know, up to the task there where – in the big sky, like you said, it's going to come a lot more down to our DBs. Obviously, our defensive linemen getting pressure on the quarterbacks. Um, and it's no secret, deep defensive back has always been a struggle for Idaho. Um, you know, the only person most people would say is a solid 
defensive back in you know the last decades probably Shiloh Keo. I mean, we've had great players like uh, Gary Walker and um, Patton and Siavihi, and I mean, we've had we've had a ton of great guys, um, but they always just seem to no matter how good of a talent they are, we just can't seem to put it all together. I mean, just looking down this roster, guys that instantly pop out the page to me that that should have big years this year and we shouldn't really expect to have to see them take a step forward because they should already be there. Um, the likes of, you know, Lloyd Hightower, um, Jonte Boston, Jalen Hoover. These are, these are guys that have been at on the team for a while and have showed at times that they, they're incredibly gifted at the defensive back position. Um, but it just comes down to putting, putting it all together. And I, I know that they moved Jackson Woodward over um, who was recruited as a wide receiver for us. So maybe that will kind of help because obviously one of the big things that we touched on last year on the podcast was I didn't think until week four or five we had a turnover and that was a fumble. Um, interceptions just didn't come back frequently. And like we just said, it's not like we were playing teams that just kept the ball on the ground. We were playing teams that threw the ball a bunch at us and we weren't coming up with turnovers there. And when we did a lot of it was Caden Ellis, who's not going to be there for us this year. Um so there's a lot of guys on, on the defensive side of the ball we need to take a step forward, like Warrior Knoll. Um, and then also we had the likes of like Satchel Ancelante uh, that's coming in. Um, that's supposed to be a guy that can really pick up, um, you know, some heavy weight for us down, you know, on the in the on the defensive side of the ball for us in the back seven. But, um, yeah, I mean, we we definitely need to put – product together on the backside of the ball this year um and that because i don't think that's necessarily defensive line pressure in years previous has been an issue for us um we've had some incredible defensive linemen but i guess i'd like your opinion on i mean i think one of our biggest defense or question marks on the defense this year is going to be the defensive line i think that's where we had a ton of turnover this year and right now i you know we haven't really brought in anybody that just Clamors out to me, ready to take the step forward and be the next, um, you know, Akeem Coleman type um, or DJ Henderson that can just come in and dominate um, and be just a stud on the defensive line or much like Caden Ellis was doing off the edge last year. And we might have some linebackers that will be able to do it. But I think defensive line, in my opinion, might be something that it will be interesting to see who steps up at the silver and gold. And in the silver and gold game, I think defensive line is one of the areas we, we should have a relatively good idea about how we're improving because we, we have, we know that the, our defensive line is going against, going against our offensive line and our offensive line was relatively solid last year. And there's some strong talent. Um, and it's different from, you know, quarterback where, you know, we have three guys we're going to be rotating through. Um, it's not exactly shocking in spring games for the offense to not open up that much because these things are public. Other teams can send scouts. It's, you know, Montana State and University of Montana just had their spring games and the reporting on those games is the offense from both those teams was pretty dang conservative in terms of, you know, what they would do for stretching the field. But for us, we should be able to see how the defensive line looks regardless of who's under center. Either they're getting penetration or they're not. And also in terms of our running backs that are going to be going against us. Now we're going to see who stands out, you know, out of our running backs, but if all the running backs seem to be shredding our, our defensive line, 
we may we may have reason to be concerned, but also, you know, if our defensive line can be solid um, against the strong offensive line we already have, then that could help answer some of our questions of in what areas will, will our defense improve? Because our rushing defense was eighth in conference last year, which is right around middle of the pack. Um, obviously, uh, our defense needs to improve overall, and passing is a huge deal for us, but we weren't, let's say, Eastern Washington or Weaver State against the rush. Teams were able to run against us as well. I, I think this game's going to make it clear for, for us fans of, you know, the, the big units we're looking at are running back committee quarterback question and what units improve the most in terms of offense and defense. And, you know, looking at our defensive backs, part of how, part of us gauging how the defensive backs look is how willing Petrino is to open up the playbook during spring ball, which some coaches aren't, but our defensive line should get a work in terms of dealing with rushes and short passes. Yeah. I, I think, Unless you have anything that you really want to touch on that we haven't brought up, I think now would be a good time to, to kind of go to some of these hashtag, hashtag ask TATCs. So I think it, it's got a lot of the questions that we've kind of danced around to get a little bit more in depth on when, then when they're asked. But in case there's something else you want to say, I guess, is there anything you think we missed? Or are you ready to hashtag ask TATC it? No, right. no, let's go to the questions. Yeah, starting off with. I don't know. Is he a friend of the pod? Part of the pod, Martin. <laughs> uh, probably part of the pod. Um, do you all have a running back you want to see stand out or outright win the competition during spring ball? Seems like there is actually a competition for the first time in a while. Um, I'm curious what you think on this first. So I'll, I'll let you take this lead off on this one. No, am I correct that Dylan Thigpen? Is, of the guys returning, he's the one we've seen the most. I don't know if we've seen him the most. Um, I know he's considered probably the favorite going in. Because I, I do, man, it, this is a tough one for us in terms of before we see the guys play. Um, it, yeah, this is what the spring game is all about. This is why with the silver and gold game, this is one of the positions that we probably would have answered. I'm excited to see, but when you were going to get into it, because, yeah, there's there are some questions at running back. Yeah, and sorry, um, I was incorrect. I just jumped jumped into the bio. bio. It was Rashawn Johnson who we did see rush a little bit last season. Yes, and yeah, he rushed yeah. eighteen times for ninety nine yards. Um, he's bigger, six one, two forty five. Now I do remember. Now that's why I was asking about the about the names. I do remember seeing him play a little bit last year and being surprised that he didn't get some more carries. But we were strong at running back last year. So it's, it's not like it was really a question of, you know, who's going to fill in there. So, you know, I guess on one end we have both the, you know, the Isaiah Saunders, uh, you know, power running back question. And we also have the third down change of pace back kind of question. Um, so I guess seeing Rashawn Johnson, whether he can build off what he did last year, seeing Dylan Thigpen who missed last year with injury. Um, those are our two bit. Those are, two of our three biggest backs that are, that are coming back. Um, I, I am also curious about seeing Andre Carter. He's a freshman and Marquise Albert. They're both freshmen. Um, Andre Carter's a redshirt freshman and uh, Khalil Forehand. He's a redshirt freshman from Boise, Idaho. You know, this does appear, this appears to be another area where it is a real competition um, and, I don't know if we have a clear favorite we should be rooting for, but 
Uh, we saw some productivity last year out of Johnson. So I'd love to see if he can build off that. What about you? Yeah. So I guess my, my point um, would be here on, do I want someone to outright win the competition? No. Um, I think Idaho, when they're at their best, has always been kind of a running back by committee. Um, I mean, you even think back to the 2009 Humanitarian Bowl. I mean, yes, when you when you think about that team, you know, you think of DeMondre Woolridge, but at the same time, you had Princeton McCarty and Deontay Jackson that were absolutely electric backs. Um, great. I mean, McCarty added a whole new another element, and then, you know, Deontay Jackson was just electric with the ball in his hand. Um, and then even back when we had, like, James Baker, uh, you know, we've had guys, and we you know we had Richard Montgomery as a change of pace back there for a while. Then, you know, we had Duckworth and Isaiah Saunders. Um, last year, we had uh, Ty Walker and Isaiah Saunders. So I, I don't think I want to see them necessarily win the competition. I, I think we are really good as a, as a by-committee kind of system. Um, I think we, we really benefit with, like you said, having the, the Isaiah Saunders, James, ba- James Baker type back, 6'1", 245-pound uh, Roshan Johnson. Um, but that being said, Roshan had a absolute stellar game last year in the spring game. I think he ran for like three or four touchdowns. I remember when I did the first or second podcast, he was the guy I actually predicted to probably be the number two going into the year. Um, and then he kind of trailed off. That being said, nobody saw Ty Walker being the role that he had last year, and that's somebody we'll probably miss. Um, but it's no secret that we reloaded at running back. Um, and some of these guys we'll see come in in the spring um, that aren't here for fall ball. But I actually think Jack Bamis is the guy I actually think might have the best shot of being – secretly get the starting nod. I think being the senior, he adds that little bit of senior leadership um, and maybe more of your average kind of first down, second down back. Um, then obviously you're going to be using Roshan Johnson. If he can stay healthy for those small, you know, you got to pick up a little bit of yards um, and a couple downs type back, but also a guy that you put in there when you think that's the situation you, you use play action off of it. Um, and then, as far as what I'm excited to see is how Dylan Thigpen actually looks out on the field um, after coming off, you know, devastating knee injury last year. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you nailed it. We have a lot of freshmen coming in. And like I kind of touched on, we didn't expect Ty Walker to be what he was last year. So you don't know with these guys till we see him. It's something to keep an eye on. And we don't even get to see all of them till fall. So um, the running back is definitely full. We've touched on that this offseason a bunch. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm excited, but I, I actually am going to put a lot of weight on Jack Bamis. I think at 614 pounds being a senior, um, I think that's a guy that might get to be the head of the stable this year, but we'll, we'll see. That's what I'm, I'm going to be at least watching, um, come week two. Um, or it, it also wouldn't be a bad thing, thing, uh, for Bama if Bamis were to take over, um, the location of where our recruits come from, I don't think. I don't always think that matters um, as much as some people do. Uh, but Jack Bamis, he's from he's from Spokane, went to Gonzaga Prep. Um, you know, worst case scenario, senior takes over, local senior takes over his, during his last season. Um, you know, that's a story that I think just about everyone in the nation would would be happy if if that was the yeah. storyline for their for their football team. Oh, definitely. And you know, not to say that there's any politics that go along on this, if if you can do it. But uh, we are kind of in a little bit of a eyeball-grabbing competition with Eastern Washington. Um, 
So having a kid from Spokane isn't a bad idea um, to be trotting out there and get some coverage in the spokesman review about it and, and maybe try to pry some of the eyes off of, you know, the national champion runner up. So um, that's not a reason to start him. But if he were to win it, like you said, being from Spokane, um, you know, especially with the way that Whitney's supposed to step up to being from Spokane, we could have a lot of uh, Spokane kids making some serious time uh, playing time in the roster this year. And that would only help us in terms of we lost a little bit of luster, not being FBS in the region as, as far as, you know, the major papers are concerned. Um, this is a way to try to get the spokesman review to cover the team a little bit more. Um, but obviously I'd rather the best guy play. And if he's not it, then I hope that the best guy does win that, but that's what I'm curious about seeing. Um, then next we have a question from Lieutenant Dangle at Dangle Desert quarterback period who question mark week one period um I, i'll lead off on this one i think it's a little early especially since this is the pre silver and gold game uh we will be doing a podcast after the silver and gold game which will probably go a little bit more in depth on what we saw this is kind of what we want to see i want to see who looks like they should play week one so i guess for quarterback period who question mark week one I would say I kind of want to wait and see. Obviously, I don't think it's any secret that I want Nikhil Nair. Uh, but that being said, I'm interested to see if Petrino has taken steps forward. Then he very well could be. Uh, and then, I mean, we don't even know. Nathan Cisco. I wouldn't throw him totally out of the competition yet. I mean, the guy could come in in summer and absolutely light it up. We, we don't really know. We haven't, we haven't seen him. Um, so I think looking forward to week one for me is a little hard to do. But I know as far as the quarterback goes going into the silver and gold game, I'm really excited to watch Nikhil Nair and kind of see. I've heard Colton Richardson's put in a lot of work this season. I'm excited to see all three of these guys, really, to be honest with you. Um, so I'll say all with a little bit of Nair lean. So I've got two answers for this, which is who am I most excited about seeing? Um, I'm, most, I'm also most excited about seeing Nair uh, because we, you know, even when he played against Florida, one, I mean, Florida outclassed us, which isn't a put down to our players. Florida was a good SEC team. They should outclass us. Um, so we didn't exactly see Nikel Nair against some competition more representative of what he needs to produce against. But he also didn't throw a pass. Um, I want to see what he looks like. I know I've read that, let's say, you know, if on one end we have Mason Petrino, who uh, put generously is a game manager type player, um, and on the other end, we have Richardson, who can stretch the field. Uh, Nikel Nair is a guy who can stretch the field, uh, but he's also supposed to be mobile as well. I'm curious to see how he looks um, in comparison to the two guys we saw last year. Um, you know, and I think Vandal fans are, are similar to just about how every fan base is, where if you go in, you go into spring ball with quarterback being an, being an open question, Generally speaking, you would want the underclassmen to earn the position ahead of the other guys because that means one of the underclassmen should be as good or better than the guys who are older than him. But then you'll have that guy for more years and you'll get to see more development. So in some ways, I think fans should hope Nair's the guy who comes out. Um, but my other answer to the question is, let's say we put this in gambling terms of who is the safest gamble to expect starts week one. I mean, just from what we've seen so far, Mason's the guy who started every game last year, and there hasn't been a declared winner ahead of yeah, Mason at I this mean, point. Um, so if I were to say, like, who who do I think will start? 
I want to see the other guys develop because that means the offense could be dynamic, but until someone clearly beats them out, I think yeah, it's safe. I mean, all three of these easy. guys saw playing time last year, and Mason got the most of it. So, like you said, if there's a gamble, the guy who's the elder statesman in the room has the most playing time experience is probably your best bet to start week one. Um, but, yeah, like I said, if, also if you're the other side of a gambling man and you like the underdog, like I always kind of said, I mean, we haven't even seen Cisco yet, so um, who knows? Enderly came in in the summer and did a hell of a job and won won the competition. So um, anything could happen, but as far as the spring game goes, I think you'll probably see mostly Petrino. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, and uh, we got yeah, yeah. Of course. Can I can add one more thing real quick on the quarterbacks? Um, and this is just something I think all fans sh- should keep in mind. Um, last year we only saw Colton play extended minutes against FCS competition versus Idaho state. And, and Colton looked pretty good a lot during Idaho state from that point on, he only saw spot duty, but he also had a handful of injuries. You know, Colton Clark reported that he had a wrist injury, which that could contribute to some of the fumbling troubles he had. And that also could explain to us why Petrino was so tight with his leash last year of, you know, if he's having difficulty holding on to the ball and he has this injury, why should he get extended play? Um, you know, he also had, I believe he had concussion issues. And I also believe he got sick last year. Um, so in some ways, I'm not saying our listeners do this, but depending on who you talk to, you know, fan-wise <laughs> message or message board-wise board last year, a lot of people, I think, sometimes kind of write, have written off Richardson in terms of his development. And I think people need to remember, we don't know. Uh, which version of Richardson is the actual guy? Is it the guy who looked pretty good against Idaho State? Or was it the guy who, when he didn't get much playing time, was turning the ball over too much? Um, I know that I just don't think we have anywhere near enough evidence to say which which of those guys is who Colton Richardson yeah, actually I, is. I agree. I, I feel like, yeah, we definitely didn't give Big Sexy as much love as we we probably should have on, on this question. But, yeah, I wouldn't count him out either. Um he did at times look to be a phenomenal quarterback. Um, and then he's, yeah, the injury bug bites everybody. Um, that's why the silver and gold game is going to be so much fun to watch these guys um, really battle it out and, you know, throughout the summer and into hopefully, you know, we'll see how long the battle goes, but uh, hopefully we have a definitive week one starter. We're not doing the two quarterback system this year, but we'll see. Um Otherwise, I think uh, one of our good fan friends of the podcast, Taylor Cash at Idaho Grown T Cash, is even ready for us to move on from the quarterback question. Uh, other than quarterback, what are our biggest question marks next year? Uh, hashtag STATC. Hashtag came a try from the north. Um, I'll I'll tee off on this one. Um, I think that, or I kind of already touched on it. I think defensive line. Um, I know we got the transfer in from Boise State. Um, that should help out. Um, but I don't know if they're going to move him more, you know, have him play a weird little bit of a hybrid linebacker role. Um, and we moved Caden Ellis to kind of more of an edge rusher last year than a traditional linebacker where he was really thriving in his first three years. Um, I, I, I touched on it, but I would say my biggest question mark is going to be that defensive line. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because – Nobody knew how good Akeem Coleman was going to be or uh, DJ Henderson or Aaron Boatwright, you know, when we got them. Uh, but once they were in, they made an immediate impact. So there could be guys we brought in 
be at junior college or some of these young guys who've been sitting on the roster or even some freshmen that we're going to be bringing in that could absolutely, um, you know, be playmakers, be the next Benson Mayo or, um, you know, we've, we've done really well on the defensive line before. And I'm, I'm curious to see, especially with how we were in the Sun Belt and defensive line being so big and how Petrino obviously hasn't changed his recruiting habits away from the Sun Belt. I'm, have the utmost confidence he's brought in some guys that are going to be absolute studs. Uh, and I'm excited to see who those guys are at the silver and gold game, but that's kind of my biggest all around question mark other than quarterback going into the, uh, into the game. So my, my biggest question it's, it's on the defensive side of the ball. Um, just for me, it's more the defensive backs. Um, and that's partially because, you know, we touched on earlier, we were, our passing defense was 11th out of 13 teams in conference last year. Um, we gave up 7.7 yards per passing attempt last year, which is, uh, and 20 touchdowns through the air. You know, our team only scored 23 total touchdowns and we, we gave up 20 through the air. That's not counting any rushing or any touchdowns that defense or special teams scored. To me, if we're going to be, if we're going to, and I don't want to be touching on this way too early, uh, but hey, we're doing a pre-spring ball podcast. So what the hell's the point? If we want our team to be looking at playoffs at all, we just can't be. We can't be the team that every offense feels. Oh, thank God we're against Idaho. Now we can pass. Our our de- our defensive backs just cannot get torched the way they were last year. Yeah, I mean we had uh, freaking Montana State Troy Anderson, who was. I mean, I know Petrino got a lot of hate from a lot of people. Petrino was a better quarterback than Troy Anderson. And Troy Anderson completed a, like, 50-yard Hail Mary between two of our guys last year at Montana State. Like, that's the kind of stuff that can't happen. I can I can be okay if you, if you get beat and, you know, you're still in stride, maybe a half step. Quarterback puts it right on the spot and the, and the guy makes the catch. Or, you know, the wide receiver makes an athletic move to go get the ball. You know, that stuff's going to happen. It's football. But it's when a guy who has to shot put the ball 54 yards downfield for a floating duck and it goes between two of our guys, that's where, you know, you have the issues in terms of communication and being in position. And then, like, you, we've brought up already when those little seven-yard slants turn into 64-yard breakaways from whether it be Gabe Solser or, you know, Jerry Louie McGee or any, any, <laughs> I, I know I just named Grizz players, but, you know, there's a lot of players in the big sky that are going to be able to do that to us. I think you're right. That's something that we're we're going to have to be able to conquer, which then kind of brings up, like you said, if we have any idea of trying to or hope of being a playoff team, uh, our friends over at FCS Nation Radio at FCS Nation Radio 1 um, have a hashtag STATC for us. Uh, the last one of the podcast, what constitutes a successful season for the Vandals in 2019? Um, I'm going to let you lead off on this one, um, but I guess, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll let you lead off. I don't want to get too far ahead That's what I was uh, like <laughs> last year. Part of, you know, part of why, you know, if you've listened, you probably hear me talk about stats and stuff like that a ton. It's not because I, I want to be pedantic or annoying with that stuff. It's, I think being a fanboy is just way too stressful as a fan to, you know, expect your team's going to kill everyone and then you lose and you have, and it feels like there's this huge disconnect between what you thought reality was and what it turns out to be. That is just too much for me as a fan. I do think that this year, and we'll probably go over this more in depth later, we have a much more playoff friendly schedule this year. 
than we did last year. Um, so we, we have some real questions we have to look at, but I think a successful season for Idaho, I think needs to be that when we are in the final two and three weeks of the season, the playoffs are not out of the question. I don't think we should define a successful season as making the playoffs only because of how, you know, we, we got beat by some good teams pretty bad last year. You know, we didn't have any, we had no bad losses last year as in losing to bad teams. We had, but what we had were embarrassing losses, you know, where UC Davis just stomps us. Uh, but in conference, we only lost to the playoff teams um, on the road. We lost to Eastern on the road. UC Davis on the road and Montana State on the road. We were competitive with Montana State. Um, and then we lost to the fringe playoff teams of Idaho State played themselves out of the playoffs last two weeks of the season. University of Montana played themselves out of the playoffs last week of the season. Those are the big sky teams that beat us last year. Our schedule is a lot more playoff friendly this year. We still have some potential teams that are penciled in to make the playoffs on our schedule. But if we're in our last three weeks of the season, and we can say, you know what, Idaho needs to win two of our last three to have a chance at the playoffs. I think we got to consider that a good, a good year for us, especially relative to how bad our transition was last year. Yeah, I 100% agree with you in the fact that uh, I think last season was very humbling in how I'm going to address this. Obviously, uh, kind of to your point, I'm, I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum from you in a lot of things, which is why... I think you being on the podcast is great. And the fact that I do play a bit more of the fanboy role. Um, so for me, what I constitute a success for the Vandal football in 2019, isn't probably actually where my expectations are. Um, what I think is going to be a success is making the playoffs and being in contention for winning the conference every year. Now, do I expect us to be able to do that? That's kind of what I'm trying to learn throughout the silver and gold game into the summer and that's why I think uh, my comment on this was I think it's a little early to be, you know, seeing what success looks like when we don't even know who our starting quarterback and running back are. Because uh, for, for a lot of people, that's you know, right or wrong, depending on who's starting a quarterback, how they how they think we're going to do. A lot of people don't think it's really, you know, between these three guys is going to be the difference between maybe one game. A lot of people think it's a difference between multiple games on who's going to be our starter. Um, so... For me, I would think as far as a program and institution and history um, and support, I don't. I think we should always expect to be in the playoffs and competing for a championship. But I'm, as we'll touch when we get into more of the season, uh, my expectation for that this year is probably going to be a little bit different. But, I mean, we haven't even finished up spring ball yet, so it's real early to be asking this. But hopefully at least, you know, that helps give them an idea of where, where we're at. And can I circle back to the playoff talk yeah. for, for a second? The Big Sky is is essentially like the Big 12 of the FCS in that heading into this year, we know, and I'm not counting Idaho for a second, I'm just talking about other fan bases. Montana will expect to make the playoffs this year. Montana State will expect to return to the playoffs this year. Eastern and UC Davis and Weber State will all expect to return to the playoffs this coming season. That's five teams not counting Idaho. This is a good conference. So for us to... I agree with the sentiment that we need the pro program to get to a point where we're like UC Davis now, which is new for them, or we're like Eastern Washington, where we expect to make the playoffs. We'll have to be good. And we'll have to be at a point where 
we're not looking through our schedule and saying, hey, is this just favorable? We have to be able to look at our schedule and say, like, you know, what if we're when we play Montana, that that's a game we should win. I don't think we're quite there yet. And I don't think we having not seen spring ball, we certainly don't have evidence to go to say that, let's say, Montana is a team we should be able to beat this coming year. Uh, but, you know, for us to to figure out, you know, for, for us setting the benchmark of the playoffs, uh, this is a big picture thing for me with us being in the FCS. We're in a good conference. And for us to make the playoffs, we will not be able to do that without beating some very good teams, which is different from when we were able to go to bowl games, which is a 500 record where based off how the schedule played, you know, for, for our two, for our last two bowl games, we made the humanitarian bowl and then the famous potato bowl. Those teams did not win against a team with a 500 record until the bowl game. That's not something we'll be able to do in the big sky and make the playoffs, which is a different way of having to frame success and frame being competitive. Yeah. Um, and for everybody at home or driving or in, hopefully not in class and you're not listening to this, but <laughs> when you heard that question, I know there's something that ticked in your head and you have your own idea of what constitutes success for the handle football program. And that right there is the perfect tie-in to why exactly now I know not everybody's financially well off, but you have a say in stuff like this in a, in a certain stance, reach out to your local VSF chapters, uh, vandal giving day just happened. I hope a lot of you gave not just to the sports programs, obviously here we cover mostly sports, but I know I gave back to my Greek house, um, gave back to the, to, to the business school, so hopefully you find ways to get involved in the university, whether you're still there um, and you donate with, you know, your time and your talent, or if you're gone with your treasure, but this is stuff, the basketball arena, the VSF that need your help. Um, and there's chapters all across, you know, the Northwest for sure. And different parts of the country get involved because if you want stuff to change, you, you got to get involved. Um, so that'll be my plug for, for the VSF. You have an idea of what constitutes success and you don't think we're living up to it, that's a way you can at least start making something known. But as far as that, I mean, we got the spring game here uh, on Saturday, or Friday, sorry, and a host full of events throughout the weekend. So make sure you check out GoVandals.com for all that. And I'm sure we'll be posting about it or retweeting everything on Tubs at the Club on Twitter. That's at Tubs at the Club. We also got an Instagram at Tubs at the Club. Um there's nothing really on it right now, but this is something we can probably start using for the spring game. And uh, I know I'm hopefully going to try to attend media days, start looking for more video, audio or video um, and picture content on there. Give us a follow. There's no one following us right now, so you can be one of the first ones. Also, thank you to everybody that participated in the March Madness bracket. Uh, make sure you reach out to us if you're in the top five. We have a list. I know we've been trying to reach some of you, and you'll be receiving some tubs on us at the club, which brings up the point that we're all going to be at uh, the silver and gold game. That's Brian, uh, myself, TJ, and Martin. Um, as far as I know, Sean will still be in Taiwan, but you never know. So make sure you come say hi to any of us. Um, and, yeah, hopefully it's going to be going to be a good game. Um, and it should be a lot of fun if you, you know, you're not still in the area. It's a good reason to get back to the Palouse, um, especially at a beautiful time of the year. Uh, and that's kind of all I've really got um, as far as closing remarks, unless you have anything, Brian, that you, you want to bring up um, before we really get into 
a little bit of a bigger surprise before we really close out the podcast. Yeah, the thing I want to add is this is in the vein of what I did last year when you guys first had the podcast. And um, I can tell you, you know, as a, a fan of Idaho sports, I wanted more content. I wanted something that was focused on a team I'm a stakeholder in. And when Tubbs of the Club existed, I remember thinking, oh, thank God, finally. And then when you guys opened up hashtag AskTATC, and I figured out, wait a minute, I can shape the content by asking them questions they actually answer. Um, I was pretty happy, you know, so if you're, you know, if you're a listener um, and you are the kind of person who really likes, you know, Vandal sports, and there's no way that you're listening to this and you're not a huge fan of Vandal sports. If you guys send us the questions, we do tailor the content based off the questions. You know, we, we already went through some hashtag ask TATCs, but if you feel like there's some big issues we're not addressing, this isn't a conspiracy. Just send us the hashtag ask TATC. We'll go over it. You know, if you want to be a stakeholder in, in how some of this, how some of our content goes, we're receptive. We we're looking for what people think we should go over. Yeah, I mean, look, Brian. Brian started with hashtag AskTATC. Now he's officially the official podcast, you know, basketball podcast host, and uh, officially a part of you know the football podcast um, going forward. So I mean, it's if you want to get involved, we're not saying anyone. You know, we're looking for more people to be a part of the podcast, but we're never not looking for more people to be a part of the podcast. Um, maybe being a part of the podcast isn't for you, but Asking questions is like I said, Idaho Grown T Cash has asked this question just about every week. Um, you know, it, it's a great way for if you have a just burning question for at least somebody to you know to talk about it. Because um, you know sometimes it's hard to find people the way the teams perform that will engage in a conversation with you about how the team's going. Um, and you know, win or lose, that, that's what Tubs at the club is here for is to. Uh, be somebody to have pretend have a conversation with whether that's you know you asking us questions or we cover it on our own on the podcast we obviously appreciate everything you guys do um which brings up um martin uh or brian and i have been working on um some big stuff that hopefully we'll be recording after the spring game hopefully by then we can actually announce it um but i mean if you are into you know you love what we've done this year um, you love some of the people we've put you in touch with, with FCS Fans Nation and Montana Mint. And, you know, everybody's kind of working together right now to a common goal to just really provide content. Um, and hopefully here soon we'll be able to kind of um, really take tubs of the club to the next level and just really have everybody be more informed on everything going on in the FCS, the Big Sky, and here at the University of Idaho. Um, so make sure if you weren't just tuned in because you were excited to hear how the silver and gold game went, you know, listen to the next couple podcasts to hear Brian break down what's happening in basketball. Brian and I are going to talk because we have differing sides on the whole FCS thing. Um, and we have a bunch of podcasts here planned uh, throughout the month of May. And then we're going to be going into June pending any major announcements happening in June, just taking some time to reassess and really get this podcast full steam for you guys um, picking back up in July. And I think, you know, for those of you guys that will be around, you'll look back and go, I can't believe that first year was like that. Cause we, I mean, everybody's got mics now. I, I'm just thank you guys for, you know, listening because that's what gave us the motivation to keep pushing this forward and making every small improvement that we can with, uh, you know, no income off this as, as the time being. So everyone's doing it out of their pocket because you guys are awesome and we really enjoy talking to you. So uh, that's all I got. I want to say, you know, once again, thank you guys for everybody for tuning in. Hopefully you see us at the Silver and Gold game. And uh, for the best band in all the way. Go